Burst and Moose, Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenzer on U92, the Moose, recapping the divisional round of the playoffs. Four good games, four different games than I guess I somewhat ex- expected from some of them. I mean, yeah. they were, it was it was fun, though. It was, it was a really good weekend, and I'm excited for the championship weekend, but I thought we could start with Saturday, the Saturday games, and for some reason they feel distant to me i know they're just two days ago basically but they they feel really far away and i thought we could go in order with packers rams and my biggest thing was i thought actually this game was a bigger blowout than 14 points i thought the packers missed some opportunities to be completely honest i thought they could have easily hit that 40 mark and i think we underestimate the I guess maybe everyone underestimated how injured Aaron Donald was because he wasn't really able to affect the game whatsoever which was it's huge he's the best defensive player in the NFL and you didn't really have to worry about him which is is going to help your offense get churning and it, it ended up dead and when he wasn't on the field the Packers would go up tempo and you know not be able to sub as often in those situations. I think that really really helped the Packers cruise to a victory where I know it got close at some points, which kind of was weird because I was like I feel like we're I feel like the Packers are dominating, but there was a point where it was seven points and then you know end up getting a touchdown to Alan Zard. But I thought the Packers played well. I thought it was dominant. Something you want to see against a very good mm-hmm. defense. Yeah, you know, Connor, I'm actually surprised that you uh, have this assessment because I figure just as a fan of a team in the playoffs, you you get stressed out during a game, especially if the score gets closer and closer. But I was going to say that this game felt kind of cozy for the Packers, even though the score was only 14 points, as you said, I felt the entire time that the Packers were in control and they were comfortable and it was they never really felt truly at odds. Uh, or, or it never really in a, a moment in that game make me think, oh, shoot, maybe this game is like, maybe the Rams can take it. Like, there are times I thought maybe the Rams could make it more competitive. I thought after they got that wacky two-point conversion call or where McVay pulled a, a, a yard backyard play out of his back pocket to get it, I thought, oh, well, that, that's interesting. Okay. And then Rodgers turned around and chucked a bomb to Alan Lazard. But you're right. I think Aaron Donald ended up actually being more affected than we would have thought. Obviously, there's the worry that a player going in injured is is going to not be able to play at 100%. But like he's Aaron Donald, so we we kind of excused him. And um, it, excuse me one second. Sorry, I had something blast into my ears there for a moment. Uh, for some reason, uh, the audio here. Um, one of, the, one of the websites I had open decided to blast audio in my ear. I thought I had it muted. But um, regardless, um, not even Aaron Donald is invincible when it comes to injuries. And even he is human and can be affected by, you know, just being hurt. And you're right. They, 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 they kicked it up tempo whenever he was off the field, which consequently kept him off the field. As you said, no substitutions. That's, that's pretty brilliant. And so... All in all, I 100% agree with you. I felt like this game was comfortable for the Packers the entire time. It's a great way to get started in the playoffs, especially when, you know, the other team has now played two relatively relatively competitive games, even if they seem to be in control by the fourth quarter of both of them. Um, 
you're playing it's a team that's now played two playoff games and you had a comfortable win at home over the Rams great for the Packers and really all things considered I think the best thing about this game is the fact that Aaron Jones had nearly 100 yards Jamal Adams also ran very well and even AJ Dillon ran well in the few reps he got I, I think that's huge for the playoffs is the fact that they can switch it up and run the ball and be effective in that regard that's gonna be good uh come next week and if they win that game come the Super Bowl I I think the run game is going to matter a lot, especially against a box line backing core that is the top tier in the NFL. It's, it's going to matter a lot. But I think one thing that I was thinking, I was like, these are some of the shots we were, the Packers were missing. I thought they, they've got to hit them. They, they need to hit these shots later down against the box. They're probably going to have to hit them. And especially if they play the chiefs or even the bills, you have to make hit those because Aaron Rodgers missed like one or two throws. There's some drop passes and it's just things that, yeah, that's okay against a opponent that maybe you're not expecting to make the Super Bowl like the Rams. When you're in the Super Bowl against someone like Patrick Mahomes, depending on how concussion protocol goes for him and whatnot, but you have to hit those shots. And that made me a little bit worried, but I think there, you know, maybe there's just a little bit of rust after wake. It is cold. Uh, we saw in a couple games, the wind mattered a lot. I assume there's probably some wind in Lambeau. But I, I was I was happy walking away from it, and I, I think that's a, a good thing moving forward. I think the defense played well, which is going to be huge, which is something that I'm, I'm excited about. As long as they continue to play well, I think the Packers actually have a shot to do some things in the playoffs. Absolutely. And, I mean, here's the, here's the deal. At this point, you know, in the past, the moniker has been defense wins championships, but all four teams left in the playoffs – all have a high-powered offense. They all can run up the scoreboard through the air. They all have great, they all have great receiving cores in different ways. As a matter of fact, the Packers maybe have the weakest receiving core, even though they have maybe the best uh, at this point, the best wide receiver standing uh, in the NFL right now. And so, and that's so. I mean, you're you're doing pretty good in that regard. So, offense you're gonna have to make the plays you're right you can't miss on those you can excuse it because you're playing a rams offense that is not super high octane but next week against the bucks and potentially the week after that against the bills offense or the chiefs offense you got to make those plays i 100 agree and speaking of adams i really don't think there's anyone else that can lock him down moving forward in the playoffs and i think if you do you're probably gonna have to double them but then you've got enough other weapons that I think have played well enough where you would feel confident that Adams is taken out of the game plan if you're leaning on more Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillian, and people like Tunyon and Marquez and Lazard. So I think, you know, it's yeah. kind of one of those decision makings. Like, do we focus on Devontae Adams? Because he's going to beat us either way. If we're focused on too much, someone else can come in there. But Bill's Ravens, the wind was outrageous i mean justin tucker missed <laughs> two field goals that man is remarkable he feel, it feels like he never misses anything and then he missed two in this mm. game and i also think kind of on the opposite side for this game i think even though it was 14 points i feel like it was a closer game it's kind of the opposite thing of what the packers was i feel like it was closer the entire time i mean lamar jackson ended up going out and i just think at the end of the day it doesn't matter how well you can run the ball if you can't pass really well in the NFL yeah. right now which Jackson had a 
not a very great day. 14 of 24, 162 yards, an interception. Obviously, he would have probably had more yards if he played the entire game. But we're mm-hmm. seeing time and time again where if it's third down and long, he's more likely to convert it on his like by his legs than his arm. And I think that kind of worries me because athleticism, we've seen it tons of times where it's just going to you know, decline over time. And, you know, we were asking about, Mark, if we thought Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson was more ready for an AFC championship game. And I know I don't want to put everything on that game, but I think I'm leaning Josh Allen at this point, to be honest. Yeah, and even – well, I think the big – the here is a big trait of a quarterback in the playoffs, and that's the ability to overcome mistakes. Lamar Jackson – I mean, they only put three points on the board. Granted, they had six other points they could have put on the board uh, had Justin Tucker had been an even greater kicker. But I don't know. It was a windy day, and it, it affected different things in that game. Lamar Jackson, the fact of the matter is, is he could not get it done offensively. He didn't score a touchdown. That's that's that. Josh Allen, and also Lamar Jackson, threw a very bad interception in that game, mind you, uh, when they were looking like they were getting into a spot where they could take control of the game. Josh Allen also had some mistakes in the game. He didn't turn the ball over, but he did miss several passes, especially passes downfield. That was probably the wind because the ball just it, it caught a gale and it just sailed 10 yards further than he was supposed to. He looked like the Josh Allen that everyone thought he was before the season started. But the fact of the matter is, is he got the job done. The defense got the job done. And when you make mistakes, the ability in the playoffs to get back out on that field and make the next play after that to make up for it, that's that's a playoff quarterback. You could do that in the in the regular season. Okay, that's fine. In the playoffs, the pressure is on. And when you make a mistake, you feel it three times as much as you would in the regular season. Because if you lose a game, you lose a game. Like, whatever. So you might go back out and do well the rest of the game because you don't have the pressure of it's over if we lose and I might be a part of it part of the reason why so kudos to josh allen and the bills um really though the heroes of this game had to be that bills defense they stepped up they played really well and they challenged lamar jackson to beat them through the air because they were able to slow down the run game enough i mean only 150 total yards after the ravens were going for two foot 50 plus week after week he said we're gonna make sure they beat us through the air and our secondary is good enough to stop them by themselves and they were able to do that. The secondary, I knew it was good going into the year, and they've been dusted at times, but Jordan Poyer, uh, Micah Hyde, Tredavis White, Josh Norman even is still, is still a decent cornerback. Like, these are these are guys who can make plays, and they were able to do it on a, uh, in a mediocre Ravens uh, wide receiving core, and Josh Allen struggled, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson struggled. And that's going to be huge for next week against the Chiefs. The Bills were almost outrushed by 120 yards in this game. And I feel like if you saw that in the box score, you would think, well, I mean, the other team has to be dominating possession. They have to be, they most likely got to win this game. And the fact of the matter is passing just matters so much in the NFL. And especially this game, obviously was very weird with the weather situation where I think it was more dependent on which defense could make the biggest play. And it ended up being the bills could make the biggest play with that was, Mm -hmm. was 101 yard, uh, one, 101. And I think it's just, it came down to that. And obviously 
Lamar Jackson still has some things to figure out in the playoffs. He seems like he's struggling. It seems like every once in a while he faces a team where they, where they've got him figured out. And I've also just got questions about this team in general. And it, and it feels a little bit kind of like the Saints to me, where they're dominant all year. You think they can do it, and then they just end up disappointing in the playoffs. They're in they're in contention, but they're just not able to make that leap. Obviously, yeah, at different points in their careers, but. Yeah, we'll see how Lamar Jackson grows and adapts. The issue is, is the expiration date on running quarterbacks. Uh, is it is Lamar Jackson exempt from that rule, or is he just going to be the next the, the next example in the system? I mean, the fact of the matter is, uh, a good quarterback, a good quarterback is adaptable. They're not gimmicky, and Lamar Jackson still has some gimmick to him. Some defenses haven't figured it out, but when you're in the playoffs, you bet you bet your rear end that you're going to run into a defense that has it figured out, which means you have to adapt and beat them in a different way. Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, those guys are all adaptable. Josh Allen, I think he's adaptable. I think he he's he's figuring that part out, and that is crucial. And Lamar Jackson. I thought there are times this year where he started to figure out how he could evolve as a quarterback, but obviously it's, it's not a straight up slope in that regard. Like you're going to have your ups and downs and this is just a down and uh, hopefully he continues to work and become a, a more evolved quarterback next season. I think that's a great point, Mark, how adaptable you are, because that you, you need to be adaptable, especially in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I think one big thing is though, it, it kind of feels like he's reversed. Like, he feels like some quarterbacks sometimes are like, okay, well, I at least can escape the pocket sometimes. It almost feels like Lamar's kind of like, okay, well, I can stay in the pocket sometimes and beat you that way. Way where most mm-hmm. quarterbacks, obviously, the the running is more the extension of you know adapting, where his is completely opposite. But we can move on to Browns Chiefs. Chiefs were dominating this game, nineteen three. And I was like, man, maybe I should pull out my, my computer and start working on some things and kind of just like sort of watching it, you know, glancing at it because it started to get to that point where I was like, man, it's, I don't think it's going to be a really good game. I think they're going to they're going to blow them away. Then the Browns crawled back in. And but before we talk about that, what I guess it's been circulating. People have been talking about there's articles written about today. Fumbling out of the end zone is a turnover. Are you disgusted by it, Mark? Or where do you, where do you fall on that line? Um, I have despised that rule for a couple of years now. I just think it's silly and it doesn't make a lot of sense in, in my mind. It's still a mistake to reach out and try to get that touchdown because of that rule. Just do not go for that. Do not. But regardless of the fact, it seems kind of ridiculous that if you're at your own five, you've, you haven't amounted to anything on the drive and you fumble and it goes to the sideline and goes out of bounds. You still keep the ball like good on you. But if you drove 90 yards down the field and then fumbled at the five yard line and it went out into the end zone and out, then you lose the ball after all that work you've done. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I will forever. It it hasn't often been a critical uh difference maker in a game except for two times now the the game yesterday which also there that should have been an illegal helmet helmet hit which bad bad miss by the refs but whatever i i missed it when i was watching it because i was too busy looking to see if he broke the plane or not 
Um, but regardless, there's that. And then there was a Jets Patriots game a couple years ago where the Jets were going to upset the Patriots. And on their final drive, they fumbled it into the end zone, giving the Patriots the ball again, losing the game. And I thought the Jets have played this game so well that they deserve to win. And a silly rule bails out Bill Belichick. And I was like, I mean, how many times have we said that? But regardless, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think there are different ways to punish it. Some people have mentioned like loss of yardage and a loss of down. You could, uh, I don't know. I think that would make more sense. It just, to me, it just, it, it's so weird. And I don't understand the reasoning behind it, except for, you know, the fact that it's in essence, a touchback which is what it's called, but like in essence, it's the ball losing possession and it bounces out the end zone. So it's kind of like a punt or a kickoff, but I don't know. It just, and then giving them the ball at the 20 yard line, like it just, it's all, it's all real wonky. And I, I definitely think that the, the rule should be changed, but regardless of that fact, I, I don't think they lost that game because of a silly rule. And uh, we can talk about that, but I consider it a wash. Because, yeah, they could have had an extra touchdown, but you also didn't have to play the best player in the NFL for a whole quarter. So I, I don't I don't pity the Browns for a silly rule. I think we had a chance of getting a change, though, because it, it feels like it might linger in people's minds a little bit. And mm-hmm. obviously that's how things occur when people, especially in the playoffs, it seems like when there's a rule that everyone realizes it's dumb it ends mm-hmm. up uh, occurring. Just like you mentioned at one time with the Vikings-Lions game, I believe it was – week 17 and it was uh, yeah the uh, roughing the passer yeah, roughing the passer and basically if that had been a playoff game people would have lost their minds and that's how yeah. things get changed is when things happen in playoff games so maybe we'll see a rule change possibly hopefully mm-hmm. to be honest but Mahomes obviously big storyline got a concussion with about quarter and a half left and I'm glad he wasn't forced to come back in there. I'm glad we were at this point where we realized what concussions can do to people and mm-hmm. uh, the trauma it can cause. Because honestly, say they lose the game and, you know, Mahomes ends up being fine. That's that's big. I think I would rather him them lose this game, him being fine, than him coming back and end up getting a worse concussion and that affecting yeah. him later down. Because they're paying him tons. It's about his long-term and the team's long-term because so what they yeah. missed out on the Super Bowl this year. They've got a chance at so many more with Mahomes. Yeah, so I think that's a smart thing. Be very cautious with him, and hopefully he'll be back against the Bills this week. But I thought that was huge. And then Henny ended up coming in there. Looks pretty bad in the beginning. Had an interception. Yeah, it was, he wasn't very yeah, good. No. But then he came up very critical in the end, and it was very fun that he ended up getting that that rushing play fourth and inches. No one thought the announcers didn't think he, they, they're going for it. And then they do the pass play. What I guess I ended up kind of thinking after that interception, I was like, man, the Browns really have a shot here. They have a ch- chance to mm-hmm. knock off the chiefs. And I got really excited as a Packers fan. Cause like, we might not have to play the chiefs. What, what was your thoughts about yeah. those takeaways? Did you think the Browns really had a chance or do you think oh, I- against they didn't really have it? I thought they had a chance. A lot of people thought the Browns are going to win the moment Mahomes went down. And I didn't think that. I was like, no, there's still, I mean, the Chiefs can still pull something out of their sleeve. I mean, Andy Reid's a clever guy. Um, but the first thing that went through my head, and it's kind of a sad thing that this went through my head, but after Mahomes went down, I kind of wanted the Chiefs to win because I felt like 
for the Chiefs to lose the great, the best player in the NFL right now and then lose in the playoffs, I just feel like that would make everything so soured and that so many people would push that the playoffs are now invalid because we like, like the team that we thought was going to win the Super Bowl all year lost the best quarter, lost the best player in the NFL in the playoffs and lost because of it. It was a close game and they were winning when he when he had the ball. I, I just feel like I wouldn't have wanted to deal with that. As a fan, I feel bad for Browns fans, but uh, uh, and I understand the NFL is a contact game. You lose players, but Patrick Mahomes, I, I say it again, best player in the game. And he is one of the big reasons why the Chiefs are the Super Bowl favorites. And so I didn't I'd rather see him get beat than see him get sidelined and then lose because he's not able to play due to some concussion or to some hit. So. Uh, that's how I feel about it. I hope that the Bills or the, the 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 Packers are able to get the job done over the Chiefs because I think that'd be more fun. But I'd rather it be done the right way than to have to deal with the idea that the Chiefs would have won the Super Bowl had they not gotten this bad stroke of luck at the last time, at uh, the last second. Um, so that's my thought on the whole thing. Um, but the Browns definitely had a chance and kudos to them. They played a great game, but uh, the better team won. I thought Baker actually played all right. Not amazing, yeah. but I yeah. think he's doing what he has to do for this team. He's not the one we've talked about all year. He's not going to be relied on that often, but it gave me more confidence in Baker because he ended up, he's shown up in key moments. I mean, they, they really should have scored at the end, the, at the end of the first half that, that should have been, they were yeah. right at the one yard line, basically. And then the, the fumble thing, which we talked about, but I, I think I was proud of Baker, and I think that should give you confidence as a Browns fan because, sure, he had a good regular season, but the playoffs are different, and he just seems like – I know he's got a little bit of attitude to him, but I think the attitude's good for him in the playoffs in a time where he needs a little chip on his shoulder, and he needs the, – the Browns are going to need him because you can't run – you can't rush on, on third and 20 sometimes or third and long. It's just you have to rely on your quarterback. I think Baker actually can get things done sometimes. Well, it's like I said, uh, quarterbacks bouncing back from mistakes. After the fumble in the end zone for the touchback, the Chiefs go and kick a field goal before halftime, and then Baker throws the pick at the beginning of the second half. I thought the game was over. Then the Browns' defense held up, and then Baker showed some poise and helped them drive down the field. So that's huge for Browns fans that you can see that in Baker. Playoff football reveals things about players that you wouldn't have known during the regular season, and it's always cool to see someone that maybe you wouldn't have anticipated have that moxie or well, I guess uh, have the ability to perform in the playoffs. Baker Mayfield always has had moxie, uh, but he, he, he showed up. Buccaneers saints happened last night, possibly the last meeting between Tom Brady and Drew Brees. There was a report by Glazer that he was retiring, but then it's kind of been that he's uh, speculating retiring. He's still thinking it over. So who really knows? I think we'll find out pretty soon, but throughout this game, I really wasn't sure who was going to win. I had no idea. I was like, man, it doesn't seem like either team's really getting going. And then the defense stepped up big for the Bucs. They had four yeah. takeaways. They're a takeaway-heavy team. I believe when I looked on Pro Football Focus reference yesterday, they only have two games where they didn't cause a single turnover this year, which was the first and then like week maybe 15 or something like that. So they, they cost turnovers more than likely every game. 
And one of the biggest things for me is this just reinstated the fact that this team just needed a Brady-like figure to come in here and maybe not win the game, but just, you know, be someone to to lead the team uh, more emotionally than on the, his playing style. And I think he's basically just does enough to get them to win where he's not necessarily turning over the ball and he's taking advantage of turnovers that the defense yeah. caused, which was the biggest thing is they took advantage of those because if they didn't and they only kicked field goals or something, the, the game's completely different. But I was, I thought Brady played really well. And at 43, I am, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, he's kind of like the rock uh, of that Buccaneers team that has so many volatile pieces, not emotionally, but just their, their play level. Like it's very sporadic at times, but Tom Brady grounds that team and makes them more of a consistent unit. And yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not wowing anybody. He like, he didn't even throw for 200 yards yesterday and he didn't drive down the field and score a touchdown at any point in the game. All three touchdowns came off of those turnovers. So the Buccaneers just, they, and then the, the last turnover wasn't a touchdown, but it was the end of the game. They, they drove out the clock, rest of the clock and won the football game. So for, for Tom Brady, that's really what they, all they need because they have so many playmakers around. They just need someone who will um, do what needs to be done when they're given the opportunity. They, they don't need Tom Brady to throw for 400 yards every game or to, to make a crazy, ridiculous Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes kind of throw. They just need him to do his part when the time calls. And if Tom Brady uh, isn't the best quarterback at doing that, I don't know who is. I mean, uh, duty calls, he can fulfill that role. And so that's great for the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers defense, great performance yesterday. Um, people will overlook, like people will look at the turnovers, but I look more at the lockdown of Alvin Kamara and furthermore, I mean, Kamara had some rushing yards, but he never really got to break out. And then of course, truly the lockdown of Michael Thomas, four targets, zero receptions, Uh, credit to the Buccaneers defense. That's not a single player. That's a unit all working together. That's uh, um, Sean Murphy bunting. That's uh, Jordan Whitehead. Antoine Winfield Jr. Like, that's a collective effort to keep down a guy like Michael Thomas to zero receptions, a guy who catches the ball all the time to, to zero, zero receptions and only four targets on the day. So uh, just a masterful performance from Tampa's defense. And then on the offensive side, cool, composed and dangerous. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a combo that can work against any football team in the NFL defense that makes plays. And then an offense that's, composed and can can be cutthroat when it matters uh the the game in green bay is not guaranteed for the packers um it should be an interesting matchup these should be two great games honestly and i think the the bucks defense should feel very confident going into the championship game because they play phenomenal obviously they beat up on the packers earlier this year i assume it's not going to happen again i also hope it's not going to happen again (laughs) but I mean, they, they should feel very confident. I think that's a that's a big thing. I tried to look back, and I was going to look at, at their takeaways, and if they, I think they had one other game where they had four takeaways in a game, and then they, I think they actually ended up playing us the next game and had two. But I was, I was like, man, hopefully they just haven't done this, and it's just one blip where they're not consistent. But then I looked at it, and they do turnovers all the time, and 
I think pointing out that locking down Michael Thomas is is huge because that Saints team doesn't have enough reliable weapons besides Michael Thomas. I mean, you got Alvin Kamara, but also they they're able to stop Alvin Kamara. And I think that'll be interesting moving forward with someone like Aaron Jones, if they can lock down him and maybe Devontae Adams. But on, on the Saints side, Mark, possibly the ending of the Drew Brees era. Do we, I mean, what was your feeling? I, I felt kind of bad that this is probably the way he's going out. Just a, a pretty poor performance. I mean, he, he really didn't do much at all. Yeah, he struggled against it. I'm going to say this was less of a poor Drew Brees performance and more of a great performance by the Bucks defense. But with that being said, it was a limited Drew Brees performance. I saw Drew Brees that's running out of gas and he was doing what he could, but the coverage was tight and he was trying to play from behind at times and it just wasn't quite working. Um, yeah, I mean... I know he said maybe, maybe not in the press conference conference, but I think a week from now, two weeks from now, he'll think about it further. And I, I don't think he's playing football again. I, I said it earlier in the year. I think several broken ribs and a punctured lung is a pretty compelling argument to say. And this is at like 42 years old to just say, all right, I, I can't do this anymore. And, and I think that that's what's going to end up happening. He's emotional right now. And that's a, that's a rough way to lose four turnovers, three picks on you. Uh, and you lose in the playoffs again at home, three straight years in a row. That's tough, but I, I don't, I think he's going to realize that he doesn't have it in him again and he'll hang it up without getting too embarrassed next season. Cause I think it only would get uglier from here. I, I agree, and I'm not sure they have the cap flexibility to to run it back again, especially with it possibly getting smaller because of COVID this year. But let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And we are back. First and Moose, Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster. At the beginning of the year, the preseason, we asked questions for the AFC and the NFC for every single team. And just like last week where we answered our AFC questions, we're going to try to answer our NFC questions. I thought we could start in the NFC West, Mark. Rams. I said, where did all the money go? And obviously some of it went to people like Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley, but also went to people that were really really talented football players and I look kind of dumb because I I ragged on them and said hey you can't put your money in all these places and just a few key players 
But it turns out you can because those few key players matter a lot on the defensive side and the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, they've got they've got a great mixture of star players in L.A. and Donald and Ramsey. And then you've got at least on the defensive side. And then you've got a mixture of those rookie contract players like John Johnson and um, Taylor Rapp and, and other dudes in that lineup who are really good on the Rams side. It's worked wonders for the Rams defense. That being said, the Rams offense is strange because in some capacities, it's great because you have some rookie contracts in your running backs that you've done really well on. And then you have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup who are both getting paid a good amount of money. And so that's like a, okay, like that's an understandable expense. Those are two good receivers. And then you have Jared Goff, whom you definitely are paying too much money for. It's a weird combination. I think you can rag on them for the money they spent in some capacities, but the fact of the matter is, is they overcame uh, that and have found some rookies and have drafted well and have uh, replaced some of those pieces like Aqib Tlaib and, and other guys they paid loads for in years past. Um, they, they've been able to prevent it from being too harmful, even if there has still been some errant spending. Uh, for me, the question was, is the collapse here? And the answer is, nope, it's not here. Sean McVay has done a good job of mitigating that and bringing, and the GM has done a good job, less need, of bringing in guys who can you know, take up where those expensive players left off. And so they, they are able to prevent it for this year. And I think they, they have successfully avoided disaster. And I think we're possibly down the line, we'll look back and depending how long the Rams do are successful, I think we realize they run a really good organization. The Rams is a good organization, depending how it pans out. But right now I'm going to say the Rams are a, one of the better organizations in the NFL over the past little bit, because they're, they're coming back year after year where they're getting rid of players and they're bringing in other players that are successfully filling in Cardinals. I asked how will uh, Cliff Kingsbury evolve the offense? And I want to say, I didn't see a lot where I felt like he evolved the offense to something I wanted to see. It was, it was nothing inspirational, obviously nothing to lose his job over, but he needs to take another step next year. Uh, Kyler Murray, we need to see him take another step. And obviously that's not all up to Cliff Kingsbury, but I mean, you had Hawkins and sometimes I feel like they just kind of relied on him at, at moments Mm -hmm. this year. That's okay. He's a phenomenal wide receiver. You should rely on your best players, but you don't want them to always rely on them to get out of sticky situations. And I just kind of want to see where this offense goes. And I still want some more evolution from Cliff Kingsbury, who was brought in there to be some young genius, which I think we honestly don't know the answer to yet. Yeah, I think we really wanted at the beginning of the year that the Cardinals would incorporate more of a rushing attack and the run game this season was was hideous for, for the Cardinals for the most part. Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds did not end up panning out to be the kind of tandem and attack that we were hoping they'd be. They got to figure out that run game at some point in time because the, the att- passing scheme is smart, but if you only have a passing scheme, it's only going to work half the time and they only won half of their games. So uh, they, at times the scheme worked and other weeks it didn't. And in those weeks where it's not working, you've got to have a run game and they did not have that. So I don't think he evolved the offense enough this season and it's got to happen eventually or else he's going to get the boot. For me, my question was, is Mark dumb to be on a hype train of this team? And it's a weird question 
because I'm kind of a mixed bag, which kind of makes me say, I guess I was a little dumb. I, it was not, they, they weren't ready to be the super fun team. There were weeks where they were incredibly fun to watch the same weeks that the passing game was working. And then there are some weeks where they were, they were hard to watch. Like it was uncomfortable. It was bad. So uh, I'm going to say they weren't what I was hoping they'd be. They ended up having about the record. I'd hope I imagine they have, but it wasn't in the way I was expecting. And so I'm going to say I, uh, the Mark hype train was a little incorrect uh, this season. I think they're getting close though, Mark. I think you were, you were sort of right. Just a, just a tiny bit off where there were some weeks where you're like, gosh, what, what is happening down in Arizona? But there were weeks where you're like, Mark, Mark seems right. Mark seems right. So it was just up and down season for them. Mm-hmm. 49ers. I asked how long is their Super Bowl window? Obviously Super Bowl windows generally don't last too long unless you're the Patriots, but mm-hmm. I think it's it's still there. It was just such a weird yeah. year for them. I, I don't feel like it's gone. Obviously, it sucks that this year ended up being taken away from them because they should have had their Super Bowl window again this year and should have been a force mm-hmm. in the NFC. But we we just don't get to see it, and it sucks. But I think they'll be back. They, they ended up having a, a good year with what they had to overcome. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what 49ers team we see next year because they could be something that a lot of people have forgotten about and they're going to come back and be real strong. Uh, my question was, can they avoid the hangover? Um, and I don't think it's an applicable question. Uh, I don't think what they experienced was exactly a Super Bowl hangover. I think they got dealt the poorest of hands this season, and they just had to do what they could. Uh, there is no answer to this question. I guess they didn't get back to the playoffs, which means you didn't avoid the Super Bowl hangover. But I don't think what they were suffering from was – losing a Super Bowl last season. The Seahawks, Mark, what was your question for the Seahawks head into the season? My question was, Wilson can't do it again, can he? And the answer was, for me, is kind of, but no. Ultimately, same story as last season. I remember saying that I didn't think their roster improved enough uh, for me to feel confidence in the Seahawks early season they Russell Wilson was playing out of his mind and then eventually it caught up to bite them they ultimately didn't show any improvement from last season the defense was worse and Russell Wilson was asked to win the game and he wasn't able to do so so my my thought is that they didn't show the improvement they needed and I worry that the regression is going to continue in Seattle defensively and they're going to have to continue to ask Russell Wilson to bail him out week after week that was basically sort of my question can the consistency continue uh the previous year they were 10 and 2 in one possession games and they had the sixth best injury luck and the eighth best fumble luck which I don't have those stats in front of me but they were eight and three in one possession games so they still somehow fare very well in those type of games because of Russell Wilson and their hot start this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something where you got to worry because like we saw, you're not winning Super Bowls if you're in constantly in one possession games because teams who win Super Bowls have dominant performances and the Seahawks yeah. just don't have those currently. Yeah. I mean, you're in close games. You're relying on your quarterback to win them. It means you can't rely on anybody else to win you the game and come playoff time you can't win at the quarterback position alone, even if it's the most important position on the field. NFC South Panthers 
I asked basically, are they all in on Teddy? And I think the answer is no. I think they're ready to look other places. I think maybe they're okay if they get stuck with him another year because I think he provides consistency and probably mm-hmm. a better record next year. But I think if they find someone either in free agency or the draft that they fall in love with, I think they're going to move on from him. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be this year or next year because I don't see them hanging on to his full three-year contract. But I think they're getting closer, getting ready to move on from it, which – I mean, you sign him three years, 60 minutes. So I guess it's not the worst thing in the world for the Panthers. I mean, it's nice to have even if you draft a rookie and and then you have Teddy as your backup. I mean, Teddy's going to be a reliable guy. He's a great dude. And, you know, um, I'd love to see him get another year in the Panthers system to see if he can prove himself. Like You could draft your rookie quarterback and just let him sit behind Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, he at times showed flashes of being – the guy and there are other times he just it wasn't enough and so uh, I think you're right I don't think he's the long-term answer in Carolina my question was what does Matt Rule make of this defense and my answer is work in progress I think that they're going places it wasn't quite there yet but they're really young and they made some plays at times this season Jeremy Chin was a, a hit uh, as far as a draft deep uh, prospect and um I think they're going to they're going to make it places and they'll be a good defense in the future. But as of right now, I mean, uh, the Panthers are in for the long haul right now. And um, I think it's smart of them to do so. And I think eventually they'll be happy with the the steps they've taken. Matt Rule's going to build it it right. He's not going to screw over the foundation and make it glossy and sign big free agents right. Right. Immediately that overpay for people like, I guess, I was trying to think of an NFL team, but the the NBA team that comes to mind is the Knicks is them overpaying free agents. But Falcons, does last year's finish to the season matter? It's a big no. It does not matter whatsoever. I thought thought it did. And I remember kind of making an argument maybe about five or six weeks in. I was like, hey, they're losing a good team. They're close. They should have won some. They could have a winning record. They could have been in the playoffs if they found some things. But at the end of the day, last year's into the season did not matter to this this year they started off bad like they have the past couple years sadly yeah i think it was a flat out no answer to your question um and my question was how much impact does a healthy year have and the answer was not much the falcons were the same old falcons even without the injury issues that last year had and it's a shame and it got dan quinn fired and it makes you feel bad because as the Saints uh, era, at least the Drew Brees era, ends, there are rivals. The Falcons will not be ready, ready to pounce on the opportunity and take over the division. Um, the, the South next season is going to be an interesting one to watch during the offseason because that could be a very different division next year, even if the Saints find some quarterback to replace Drew Brees. Like that's that's going to be something to watch over the offseason and next season. Talking about the Saints, I asked... How does the Breeze Peyton legacy end? And I think, obviously, if you're looking at it as a whole pitcher, very good. It's a very good legacy. You should be happy about it as a Saints fan. It's one of the best coach QB combos in the NFL. But I think it kind of ended a little bit of a sour note last night. But overall, I think you got to be happy with it. He ended up playing well this year. And I think if he didn't get hurt this year, we would have probably saw a slightly better Drew Brees that could throw the ball farther and not look as uh, poor as he did yesterday. I mean, 
you could even broaden the ending of their uh, their tandem and look at it as disappointing because think about how it's ended for them four years in a row now. You allow a last-second touchdown that loses you a game. You barely miss out on the Super Bowl after some calls are sketchy and don't go your way, but you still could have won the game regardless. Last season, you collapse to a wild card team at home and lose in overtime. And then this season, you, your quarterback's weak. He, he doesn't have it in him anymore. And the defense uh, cannot hold after turnovers are forced and, and they just they, they let it go to a team that they beat twice already that season. It's kind of just, it's a rough way to end it. And, and you can isolate each of those games and go, well, I mean, okay, this happened and this happened. So that's understandable. They're not bad. But then you lump all four together and you realize they're making excuse after excuse after excuse. And here we are. And these last two are the least excusable uh, of the two losses, the, the Vikings loss and the Buccaneers loss. These were entirely on the team pretty much, except for uh, some broken ribs from, from Drew Brees a couple weeks ago. It's rough uh, because those two were successful. They won a Super Bowl. It seems like a long time ago, though. It seems like a long, long time ago that they won a Super Bowl together. And so there's definitely some bitterness. I'm curious to see how long Sean Payton sticks around after Drew Brees because I have a feeling he's going to want to try and continue to prove himself after Brees is gone, especially with how talented the roster still is. Buccaneers. Does Brady still have it? And the answer is yes, sadly. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish he didn't, <laughs> but I guess maybe it helps his book sales and his legacy and that TB12 studio that I think is uh, outrageously expensive. But, I mean, yeah. the, the man still got it. He's, he's still rolling, and I think there's not really much to say about it, and it's just a question is when will we slow down? And honestly, I don't think anyone really knows. Yeah, I mean, the my question was on a similar note. Can Brady handle shootouts? And it's, yep, they he ran up the score on several teams this season. I'll be curious to see if he can keep up in a shootout with the with any of the three quarterbacks that are left with him in the playoffs because they all have a, a a little more energy than Tom Brady does, in my opinion. Um, you've got the new blood AFC championship game, and you've got the the old farts again in the ANFC championship game, but Aaron Rodgers is a little, a little younger than Tom Brady is. And so has a little more energy and a little more pep in his step. Um, And that's just, he's still got it. And uh, honestly, I didn't think he'd fit well with Bruce Arians, just a very high powered offense, but he's got the pieces around him and he's capitalized. Um, I don't think Tom Brady is playing amazing football, but he's playing good football and it's resulting in the Buccaneers winning games. We already talked about it earlier today. It's that's been him all season. And I guess my, my one thought is when you're talking about Brady and going against the four quarterbacks, uh, I guess the three other quarterbacks coming forward was that I, I think he just, he needs more turn. Like he needs more big plays by his defense to be successful, which is fine. I mean, he's 43, I think if any of these other three quarterbacks left uh, make it to 43, you should be very happy. And I'm not sure they, they can, to be honest. I think Brady's going to be yeah. probably an anomaly. Yeah. NFC North though, Packers, I asked, not the right kind of love. And maybe it was, I guess. It, maybe <laughs> that's what made him mad. Who knows what made him mad? I, I'm not sure, but he seems he seemed kind of angry. He came in, the, the Packers ended up getting a bunch of hate. And it, it's fine with me and, I think hopefully 
my hope is that he uh, is mad about that. I believe it was week six loss to the Bucks, and I hope he's he's frustrated about that and he comes up and, and angry in this game and just pounces. But we'll have to wait. And see. Yeah. <laughs> my question was, um, where is there going to be improvement? And my answer is literally everywhere. Everywhere improved. Everything took a step up. And we can say that Aaron Rodgers had a great season and it might've been partially because of how that draft went. But outside of that, literally everything else can be attributed to year two of Matt LaFleur. And so kudos to him. He, we, they thought maybe they'd be stagnant this season. And instead every single piece took a step up. That defense took a step up in every regard. The rush defense is still suspect, but they're not the same rushing defense. They're not the same defense that we saw last year in the NFC championship game. This is a different group. So credit to Matt LaFleur end up being a fantastic hire for the, for the Packers. And I mean, at this point has one of the best <laughs> records of a young, that a young head coach could ever uh, imagine uh, starting up a, a, in a new job somewhere. Um, so, and even Aaron Rodgers' fire could be attributed to Matt LaFleur. Maybe Matt LaFleur himself just, you know, with that youthful energy that he's got being a younger dude, just rallying up Aaron Rodgers and getting him fired up for another season. Maybe he'd been talking into his ear all season going, we did bad last year. Like uh, we could have gone to a Super Bowl. We got the same guys this year. What are you going to do, Aaron? What are you going to do? And Aaron was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll <laughs> go out there and throw 48 touchdowns. Um, so it, all in all, great season for the Packers and I can talk about I mean, we're not making our picks yet, but this is a Super Bowl deserving football team. In my opinion, I don't, I mean, obviously you probably feel that way being a Packers fan, but I believe this is a team built to go to a Super Bowl. You almost made me blush, Mark. I was, I was getting excited <laughs> there, but uh, I think, I think it's a really bad look on, on Mike McCarthy, how well Matt LaFleur. Yeah. It's, it's not a good look on him oh. whatsoever. And I'm a, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm like, uh Oh, like Mike, McCarthy should probably still be there. Turns out they they had enough pieces and he just wasn't developing it. Mm-hmm. Bears, I asked, will they finally ditch Mitch? And the answer was no. And then it's a possible yes now. And man, oh man, I am happy that it's turned around to a possible yes. But <laughs> who who knows what's what's going to happen? It seems like they should move on from him, but I honestly think they might convince themselves back into it, depending if they can find someone on the the uh, free agent market. So we're just waiting for them to give Taylor Heineke sixty million during this off season. <laughs> um, no, my question was very similar, and the question was Foles or Trubisky. Dot 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 doesn't matter, and my answer is yes, but no. It mattered this season. Mitch Trubisky came back in and they played well the final stretch to get to the playoffs. But no, it doesn't matter. The Bears are not a good enough football team with Mitch Trubisky and they need to wake up. They need to they need to wake up and sign Cam Newton. They need to sign Cam Newton. That's what they need to do. I will push it for a second year in a row. That's what they need to be doing this offseason or unless they can get like Deshaun Watson. But like, I mean, obviously if any team gets Sean Watson, that's priority number one. Um, but regardless, yeah, made a difference this season, but no, it does not make a difference in the future. Mitch Trubisky's not the guy. Vikings, does a new look defense matter when Zimmer is leading? And it does because those players are really young and it takes time mm-hmm. and it took them time to teach them and they developed. So I think they'll improve next year, but it does matter. And 
which is okay. The Vikings probably yeah. knew they would be there inside their organization. And I think Mike Zimmer is still a phenomenal defensive coach. Yeah. Um, my question was, how do all, how do all the new guys look? And my answer is pretty good. I mean, they struggled at times this year, but I thought there's a lot of promise in some of these younger players, this young blood, obviously Jeff, Justin Jefferson was a home run hit in the draft. And, uh, I think they are going to be better next year. I think they're going to step up and be a competitive team next season. They were a competitive team this year. There will be a playoff competitive team next year. Um, and so disappointing how some of those games were lost, but oh, all in all, I think it's positive looks uh, in Minnesota. Lions, the last team in the NFC North, I asked, what is Patricia good for? And apparently just a top 10 pick. I don't think he's good for much else, <laughs> to be honest. So who knows? I think he's kind of taking the organization uh, down the pipes again, which they've been there plenty of times. So if I'm a Lions fan, I'm not happy. I guess the good thing about the Lions is they hire a coach every three, four years. So they get some optimism during the yeah. offseason. Yeah, exactly. Um, my question was, can Patricia, can Patricia do what he was hired to do? And the answer is absolutely not. Could not develop a defense. Matthew Stafford had to do it all himself. Talk about a franchise in shambles. This is a team that needs a Matt Rule kind of makeover going on. They need they need so much work that they need someone to come in who isn't going to promise to fix it immediately. They need someone who will come in and say, "Look, this is going to take time. We need to draft a we need to have some good draft classes and we need to grow these players. It's not going to look pretty for the next few years, but it's going to be ugly the right way because we're going to be growing." And they need to look for that because a lot of work needs to be done in Detroit because they are in shambles. NFC East, Mark, Cowboys. The best. Sure. <laughs> Leaving the best for last here, but I'm not sure I word it on the podcast. But in my notes, I said, Mike, still not over last relationship struggles. And I kind of alluded to, you know, not kind of kind of them fiddling over how much they should pay Prescott and which ended up being mm -hmm. a pretty big development with, how he ended up getting injured and he hasn't got his payday. Mm -hmm. So it'll be very interesting how they move forward with that. And I think just how Mike McCarthy moves forward overall at, in the Cowboys, because I know Jerry Jones is forgiving, but the Cowboys fandom, I don't think will be as forgiving with the talent on that roster. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Mike McCarthy has such a definite roof because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore to bust that roof. Um, uh, the Cowboys will get better next season. I think, I think they're probably the best equipped to win the division next year, but it's not much further than that. In my opinion, um, you, you got to get Dak Prescott signed though. Cause he, he balled out last season and then he, he, he got creamed for you. You need to give him back. You need to, you need to pay it back to him. My question was, is it all going to work on defense with the new defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan? Nope. Very simple answer. Nope. It didn't work. Now they've got a good DC in there, Dan Quinn. Um, they grew as the year went on, but the atrocity that was their defense at the beginning of the season cannot be overlooked, and it cost them a shot at the playoffs. The Giants. I asked what, just a, a long what question, because there's some weird reports of their head coach is doing kind of weird things. I mean, I, I believe he would he would run sprints with them, and and – Maybe it's good. He needs some culture there and he provides a weird culture. It kind of some of the reports kind of remind me of have you seen Ted Lasso, Mark? 
I've not seen it. I know what it is though. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, you know, the coach that goes over and coaches in uh, football, but only really knows American football. And shockingly was mm-hmm. my favorite show of 2020. And he does some really odd things. He has weird remarks and it kind of reminds me of judge because I think one of his weirdest remarks was something like uh, he was talking about a goldfish having a short memory and telling one of his players to be a goldfish. And just the reports mm-hmm. from judge, I believe he might say that to tell a player, yeah. Hey, just move on from that play, be a goldfish. But what, what was your question for the giants? Will Joe judge win the team over. And although this is still up in the air. I think he did. I think he's got the team on his side. They're not great yet, but this is a team that seems more inspired than the ones led by Pat Shermer. And before that, even worse, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, the haircut, the stash, I'm drawing a blank on his name. McAdoo, Ben McAdoo. Um, but he, he's got them a little more riled up. And then I think the end of the season when the, the, the Eagles uh, tanked that game and then he went up and made a passionate speech that maybe I didn't 100% agree with, but understood a lot of the sentiments and the Giants will feel that. I think they're going to ride on that. And I think Joe Judge is a guy that's backing his players and they're going to admire him for it. I think I think they've hit with this guy yeah, as weird as he is. And, and I think they he, he's won the team over. Washington football team. I didn't really have a sports question. So what, what was your question for the football team, Mark? Uh, can the defense do all the heavy work? And the answer was in an NFC East. Yeah, they were able to do enough of the heavy work and it got them to the playoffs next season. They're going to need to do better because the division's going to improve next year. I don't think it's going to improve drastically, but their offense needs to improve enough to allow the defense to continue to play at the level they're playing at and win more football games because they gave the Buccaneers some fits and they played well. It's just a matter of that they're going to need to bounce back next year and play well again. And then the offense needs to take a step forward, but the defense this season was able to do all the heavy work. So credit to, a riverboat Ron and a credit to the GM for drafting all of those D linemen. And they, they balled out this season. I think definitely moving into the off and off season, it will be more questioning because the defense proved themselves. I think we're going to have questions about how the offense can improve overall, but yeah. Eagles, I asked, can they stay healthy? I want to say, no, no, they can't. They just seem like they have some bad luck in that area with staying healthy and keeping players on the field, but that's not the reason Mm -hmm. they were bad this year. It was a lot of other issues as well. And I think they've got way bigger questions than if their players can stay healthy moving forward. Absolutely. And my question was, can they handle injuries this season? And I wrote down my answer and I said, this missed the mark because although they did have injuries, you're right. That was not their biggest problem. They couldn't even handle the guys that were healthy. Carson Wentz was, just went off the deep end this season. Doug Peterson completely lost the locker room and is now gone. This is a team that I worry. I, this team, I think they're, they might be sitting at the bottom of the NFC East next season and might be for an extended period of time. They've got some talent, but there is a lot going on right now in that franchise that I, I, I'm weary of. And they couldn't handle anything this year. They couldn't handle any of it. And so injuries hit on top of that. And they ended up being, uh, I can't remember who placed last in the NFC, but I think they were maybe last place. I I believe they were the NFC least in the NFC East. And so they, uh, 
bad season for them and struggle to come for the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's going to do it for answering our NFC biggest questions heading into the season. And some of them were answered and some of them probably weren't because just like we had, the Eagles had different problems than what we expected. But that's going to wrap it up for first and news reaction to the divisional round and answering our biggest questions. I'm Connor Taylor. With me as always, Mark Schoenster. This has been First and News on United to the Moose. Thank you for listening.